Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Okay, here we are. Book of Revelation, we're doing this still. All right, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name for your grace. Rest on the teaching of the word tonight. Let the Bible verses that we look at just be deep and meaningful. I pray for the spirit of revelation on the presentation of the word in Jesus' name. If we could turn down the stage lights just a little bit and house lights up a little. Um, Okay, so Book of Revelation, this session is entitled Overview of the Harlot Babylon. We have been threatening to get to this point for months and uh, we are finally here. Uh, we are looking at, uh, the, over the next several sessions, the harlot Babylon as defined in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, but not only chapter 17 and 18. And our objective uh, with this session and the next few that are related to this subject is to get us familiar with something that unless you've spent some real concerted time looking at it, it is probably a subject that is very new to you. It's a subject that is very new to uh, much of the body of Christ. But I just want to say this. I'm going to kind of you know prophesy, but I, I, I've got a lot of Bible uh, behind this prophecy, so it's, it's really not subjective. It's one of those you can kind of count on. While right now, this is a subject that is not much known by the church, it is a subject that will be intimately known and understood as we get closer to the end. Uh, This will be a subject that will be um, very much looked at and spent time on and studies. And so uh, just as a fun little point of reference, you'll be able to point back to, you know, uh, 2021 when you were studying the Harlot Babylon in that encounter service, you know, series we were doing on the book of Revelation. And uh, and you will feel uh, just oh so proud of yourself that you had a little bit figured out five minutes before everybody else did. But uh, I can promise you the, the subject of the harlot Babylon is going to become uh, front and center for the church's um, uh, study and understanding because of how relevant the subject matter is going to be. I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit will begin to highlight it in a greater way uh, to the church at large. Okay, well, <clears throat> let's jump in. Tonight is an overview, so there's going to be a lot that we won't cover tonight. Uh, but it will at least get us started down the road. Uh, Roman numeral one, and I'm going to read you this passage out of Revelation 17. Again, Revelation 17 and 18 is the primary study of uh, this subject in the New Testament and in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> Revelation 17, five through seven. Let's talk about this great mystery at the end of the age. Revelation 17, this title was written on her forehead, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. What an intense title. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman. Now, here's what I want to give us just kind of as our little entry point. 
John it gives, is given this introduction in Revelation 17. Uh, really, it started in verse 1, but this is kind of the, the little you know, chunk I wanted us to focus on. Uh, in in uh, chapter 17, verse 1, John is told this, these interesting phrases, mystery Babylon, he's astonished. Uh, he sees that this woman's drunk on the blood of the saints. It's like, this is a giant mystery. It's so much a mystery that the angel then spends two whole chapters of Revelation describing it. That's a ton of content. So John is presented with this mystery. He's told the, the, uh, <clears throat> the title of this thing is The Mystery, and then more details. <clears throat> He's then given the next two full chapters unpacking this mystery, describing this mystery, helping you know, John to understand what it is that he's looking at. That's a pretty significant uh, detail. So one point that I want us to get is Babylon is a mystery, the heart of Babylon, the subject. And so for us initially to hear the idea and go, what a mysterious thing. Yeah, exactly. That's actually what the Bible says. It says it's a mysterious thing. So uh, you're in good company, you and John, okay? <clears throat> Mystery Babylon. Next, John was astonished by her. Now, the reason I point that out, we're in Revelation chapter 17. John has seen a tremendous amount of astounding things. More than any other human in history, probably. I mean, if anybody can find me somebody else who's been more astonished, please let me read their book too, okay? John has seen astounding thing after astounding thing. It's just unbelievable. So for us to get to chapter 17 and John be dumbfounded, I mean, for him to be like, whoa, flabbergasted, unbelievable, what am I looking at, is shocking. That's, the fact that John is shocked at this point is shocking. That's, that's the, uh, the point I'm trying to make there. So therefore, John, this apostle, but we all know that John's heart was very pastoral. So John is the great pastor of the age, uh, you know, of his time, uh, pastoring these churches, carrying them in his heart. John is this great pastor, is astonished. It says greatly astonished. So much so that the angel kind of is shocked. And the angel's like, hey, why are you so astonished? I'll help you with this. I'll explain this mystery to you. I want to go on the line and say this, and this is a, this is a calculated uh, subject. This is one that I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking through related to the end times. I think the harlot Babylon and everything that is encompassed there is the single most important end time subject for the church to understand. I can't think of anything else that would be more important than this. I can think of many important end time subjects. I can't think of one that would be more important than this one this, for the church to understand. There may be important subjects, but for the church to grasp, I can't think of one that's more important than this. So that's, that's a big statement. Babylon is a veiled theological concept that requires reaching, studying. Veiled doesn't mean you can't understand it. Veiled means you got to pull back the veil to understand it. Veiled is a challenge. Veiled is a dare. Veil requires digging you know, uh, uh, trying to, to uh, gain the spirit of wisdom and revelation, studying the passages, staring at it. In the last days, the subject of the Harlem Babylon will impact everyone. Every single uh, person will be impacted by the Harlem Babylon in the last generation. 
in many, many negative ways. Some will actually be negatively impacted and be really excited about that negative impact until they realize what that negative impact will yield them at the end. Everyone will be impacted. This is a subject that is as big as the Antichrist and even more in a lot of ways. That's like, whoa, that's a big statement. This is a very important subject. And again, it's been veiled. So it's the, it's the objective of this study to kind of help us overall with the book of Revelation, pull back the veil of the book of Revelation and study it and get some understanding so that it's not mysterious so that when we read it, any mysteries can be made known. Mysteries are not locked indefinitely. Mysteries are a, a challenge. And we want to look at the book of Revelation and this subject specifically. <clears throat> we want to go on the journey of diving into trying to understand. Roman numeral two, the importance of understanding end time Babylon. First point I'd like to make is the amount of information about Babylon is uh, challenging, uh, is surprising. I think surprising is a big uh, term. Just look there, I gave you not all the passages, but I gave you the primary uh, passages, what I would identify as the primary passages, about Harlot Babylon at the end of the age, and just look how many there are. Uh, letter A there, middle of page two. There are so many passages, so many defining, uh, you know, uh, entire chapters and beyond about this subject. There's a lot of information. I gave you one verse there out of uh, Psalm 137 that you might not have been thinking about as an end times verse or, you know, who knows, every, who has every single psalm completely memorized? Not I. Uh, so this is one of those little mysteries hidden in the Psalms. Psalm 137 verse 8. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. This is a, actually an end time prophecy in its fullest sense about what is going to occur to Babylon at the end of the age because of what she's done historically to the nation of Israel, but even more so what she will have done to the saints in the end time drama. And this is now the, the perspective of heaven. It is right that you would receive the judgment that's coming to you. It is right. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done. And that's actually a, a phrase that is uh, mirrored nearly, uh, if not uh, phrase by phrase, certainly the concept mirrored in Revelation chapter 18, describing the judgment of Babylon at the end of the age, is that she will be repaid for all that she has done. And it actually says it's God who's doing the repaying. So here in Revelation, or in uh, Psalm 30, 137, we see happy is the one. Well, who's the one? God. And God's wearing his happy face while he does it because it is so right that she would be so judged because she was so wrong to his people. Okay? The testimony of the prophets. It's an interesting point that nearly every Old Testament prophet prophesies about Babylon at the end of the age. That's not, you can't say that about too many subjects. Uh, the, the prophets many times were given little snippets and Many of them were, were given, or several of them would be given a few ideas about one subject, and several others would be given a few ideas about another subject. It's very rare that near all of them would be given revelations about the same subject. That's a, a, a loud uh, point or, or trumpet being you know, blown and a, a big flag being waved related to the relevance and the importance of this subject matter to the end time church. 
unusually long prophecies. This is another interesting point. Not just do the prophets speak about the harlot Babylon, but speak with unusual length. You know, lots of times when you're reading prophecy in the Word of God, it's like it doesn't go on that long. It's short, or it's a long prophecy, but the subject matter changes uh, every few verses. This is one that is unusual in how much content in a concentrated way is given about the subject uh, of the uh, the end time harlot Babylon. It's really interesting. Give you just a, a couple of points here. Whole chapters have been given to this subject matter. I gave you there, uh, uh, let's see, number one under letter C, top of page three. Whole chapters, many prophecies against Babylon are lengthy. Some span entire chapters. I gave you those chapters for you to be able to go and look at. That's unusual. For those of you who are uh, maybe not looking a ton at Old Testament prophecy, that's okay, I I understand. I'll just advertise this point. That is highly unusual for there to be entire chapters, not a chapter, chapters from multiple sources uh, unto a specific subject matter. That's unusual. That's a lot of content. As another interesting point, this one's just, when I first realized this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. The longest prophecy in the Old Testament about a single subject. Now again, you can find perhaps longer prophecies, but when the prophecy starts to when the prophecy ends, the subject content changes multiple times. This is the longest prophecy in the Old Testament about a single subject. It's Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51. It's the longest prophecy in the Old Testament about a single subject. It's just like, wow. That's crazy. You look at the verses, that's, that's a really long prophecy, okay? And it's about the Harley Babylon. Do you know that the longest prophecy in the New Testament is also about the Harley Babylon? <laughs> it's Revelation 17 and 18. It's a long prophecy. The longest prophecy in the old and the longest prophecy in the new are both about the same subject, and it's a subject we have absolutely no understanding about. This is a problem, <laughs> This, this is an advertisement. This is a giant statement from heaven. Hello, uninformed church. <laughs> it's time to understand our Bibles. The longest old and longest new. Four chapters. Dang. This is a subject we need to understand. I just think it's also interesting, just as a little point of comparison, the second longest prophecy in the New Testament is about the bride of Christ. It's also in Revelation. It's Revelation 21 and 22. It's the second longest prophecy in the New Testament, and it's about the bride of Christ, and it just follows, more or less, the false bride, the harlot Babylon at the end of the age. Okay, so it's just an interesting little like, okay, here's a bunch of information about this bad thing. Now, by the way, here's the prophecy about the good thing. Aim for this, but don't forget this other thing's coming, and it's going to be a real challenge on the church and try to take you guys out. Many, many unfulfilled prophecies about Babylon in, uh, in our Bible. I mean, so many unfulfilled. I want to stress that term, unfulfilled. That subject matter that has been uh, written in the word that has not yet happened. There's a ton about the harlot Babylon in our Bibles. Now, we all know the very simple uh, concept. If God wrote it, it has to happen because he can't lie. There's no chance he's a liar. 
There's, there's no chance. There's no chance he missed it or no chance that anything that he wrote could possibly not happen. So if you've got a ton of information in the Bible about the heart of Babylon that hasn't happened, what does that mean? It's still future. It still has to happen. And so if it hasn't happened and it's still going to happen, then there's a tremendous amount of information we want to be familiar with. It has massive end time significance. This subject, the Harlot Babylon, massive sub, uh, subject in the end times. The relationship of the Harlot Babylon to Israel, relationship to the Antichrist, relationship to the end time judgments of God, actually multiple times in Revelation, references the end time judgments are being poured out on Babylon. It doesn't even say on Antichrist. It does say that once or twice. But the emphasis more is on the judgments being poured out on Babylon. So all the end time judgments, back to that verse that we just read in Psalm 137, that was like, blessed, you know, happy is the one that judges, happy is the one that destroys, that brings a judgment on Babylon. The whole end time judgment process is actually aimed at this subject that we are not having much clarity about yet the subject of the harlot babylon the great falling away and the rise of wickedness are all related to this subject so when we read in uh, matthew 24 verse 12 that because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold we're actually talking about the harlot babylon we're that's a a little uh intro to who harlot babylon is it's one of the signs of the times as we begin to see these things starting to form in our generation. It's actually a sign of the times that can help us better root ourselves in the end time storyline as we see the harlot Babylon rising in our midst. And I'll just tell you right now, having been staring at this for you know about 10 years, we are watching it happen at a rapid pace in the last couple of years. It's, it's always been, there's a, bit, a little bit of a trickle, but the water now is on. It's, that faucet is fully pouring on, the bathtub is filling. And so we're watching it happen. It's actually a sign of the times. And so that's a significant point. And there are significant consequences related to this. Okay, now what I want to do is I want to give us this overview, part three, page four, a city a system, and a culture. Remember, John was told at the front end, hey, John, what I'm about to tell you about for the next two chapters is a mystery. So there are some things about it that are mysterious. There are some things that at just a glance will seem confusing. In my uh, opinion, what I, what I see mostly related to teaching about the Harlot Babylon, and I don't want to make it sound like I've gone looking everywhere for, you know, end time teaching on Babylon. I haven't. But where I hear the subject of the Harlot Babylon taught, I would say this, by and large, not everywhere, but by and large, when the subject is taught, that veil of it's a mystery still seems to be resting on the teaching. Because what I typically seem to hear or, or, uh, or seem to hear in, in presentations about Babylon is one of these three things, not three of these three things. I'll typically hear Babylon at the end of the age presented as a city, or I'll hear Babylon at the end of the age presented as a system or as a spirit that is infiltrating the culture. But the mystery is it's all three. That's the significant mystery. And the, the hard part about that is there's concrete biblical evidence for all three, but 
if you've only got a lens for it being one, you try to make everything fit into that one lens. But it's all three. So as just a point there, I don't want to go through it, but part A on page four, Babylon will rise again. That is, in my opinion, the most foundational uh, piece of teaching related to Babylon, the end time uh, harlot, is that it's not Old Testament past and gone and done. It is absolutely a future reality. And so I gave you a bunch of uh, thought processes there on how we can be certain that Babylon is future. So I, I, the language I put in part A is Babylon will rise again, but you could change that if you wanted to and say Babylon is future as well as an Old Testament reality. Babylon is future. Babylon will rise again. The Babylon that we saw in the Bible, that Babylon with some significant crazy upgrades and some mystery shrouding it will rise again. All right, so that's part A. But now let's look at this city system culture thing, okay? First, Babylon will be an actual city. There are too many specifics related to Babylon, uh, uh, her being a city, that you just can't dismiss. It's, there's too many. I gave you the part one there, uh, B1, bottom of page four. Babylon in the end time drama is consistently called a city, C-I-T-Y, city. So you, whatever we think about Babylon, we had better include the fact that it's a city because there's too many times it says it's a city. And, uh, and then as you continue to move down uh, through part B, I just made a bunch more uh, comments that you can go and look at on your own related to how we know it's a city. I mean, it's straight up called a city. That's my biggest, like, I lead with that, okay? But more than that, it's, that's not the end. There's actually more. There's a lot of other reasons why we know it's a city beyond the fact that it's called a city. And so I back that up with a bunch of other thought processes there that you can go look at on your own. So Babylon is a city. But Babylon will be a global system. We're going to spend all of next session talking about Babylon as a global system, specifically as a threefold system. So I'm not going to do anything but just introduce the idea right now because we're going to spend a whole session talking about it because this is a really big point. It's kind of, uh, it's one of the biggest points related to Babylon. And that is that she will be a global system. She will define global politics and global policies. Babylon will define them. Not be intermingled, not have a place in them. Babylon will be the defining vote of global politics and policies. So in the political realm, Babylon will be center stage in world economics. Not the harlot Babylon at the end of the age will touch economies. The harlot Babylon at the end of the age will be the center point amidst all of the economic realities of the planet. The harlot Babylon will be very much intricately related to, connected to, even to be able to say center of global economics. So first, global politics, now global economics. But not just that, she will become the premier religion of the earth. The harlot Babylon will become the premier religion of the earth. The majority of people on the earth will be of the Harlot Babylon Club, of the Harlot Babylon religion. Now, there's a lot of mystery there. We're going to talk more about that. But I just want to throw that out. So you're talking about a global system that is intricately involved in and leading the political realm, government, 
the financial realm, economics, and the religious realm, all of the different groups and everything on the earth are going to be impacted by and influenced by the harlot Babylon at the end of the age. That is horrifying. That is like really, really bad news. Well, now you can start to go, oh, well, if this is true, this is a major subject that the church needs to understand. This is a massive point that we cannot allow ourselves to continue to go uninformed about. This is a subject that, man, if this is this big of a deal, why didn't God speak about this? Why didn't he give us like the old, longest Old Testament prophecy and the longest New Testament prophecy about it? He did. Because it's so stinking important. So we need to be Christians that are no longer head in sand scenario. Get our head out of the sand and start paying attention. This is a really big subject. All right? Babylon, again, still overview. Babylon will be the embodiment of wickedness in the earth. So if you need a picture, if you need an icon, if you need a logo of what is wickedness at the end of the age, it's Babylon. This global system that's going to be over politics, government, or, uh, government uh, economics, and religion, this global system will be horrendously evil. Horrendously evil. Uh, the prophet Zechariah has a crazy encounter with the harlot Babylon back during his time frame. The prophet Zechariah got tremendous insight. This passage, you just go and you read it and you go, oh my gosh, the stuff that's being communicated back to Zechariah about the coming harlot Babylon at the end of the age is profound. Let me just read it real quick. Well, let me give you a little bit of context. Zechariah is having this vision and he sees this seductive woman. He sees the harlot Babylon. Okay? He sees her and he's like, kind of icked out by her, okay? And he's like, who is this? What is, what is going on here? And the angel that he's having this encounter with has to explain to him what is going on, you know, what is, uh, what's unfolding here. All right, so Zechariah 5, 6 through 11, bottom of page 5 if you're in the notes. This is the iniquity of the people throughout the land. And there in the basket sat a woman he said, this is wickedness. This woman is personified as wickedness, as wickedness incarnate, as, as the personification of wickedness. He says, this woman is wickedness. And he pushed her back into the basket like you do not want this girl out and about. And then before me were two women, these are angels, with the wind in their wings. Women don't have wings, friends. And they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. Where are they taking the basket? Can you just imagine? Zechariah's like, that was the gnarliest thing. What is happening? I'm sure glad those two angels came to do business and take care of that woman. Because you just told me that woman is wickedness. That woman is the iniquity of all the people throughout the land. This is a real problem. Where are they taking her? And the angel replied to the country of Babylonia to build a house for it. When the house is ready, the basket will be set there in its place. This is really intense. This is talking about the end time rise of Babylon and that woman who was just pushed down into the basket and contained is, has for generations been in this limbo between heaven and earth. But at the time when it's ripe, 
She'll be set in Babylon to then rise to do everything that is within her to fulfill wickedness. Okay, so that's a really interesting point. Babylon will also be the church's greatest opposition at the end of the age. Even greater, because I'm just going with the time frame, the duration, even greater than the Antichrist in many ways. And that's a subject that you could challenge from a number of different directions, and I don't know that I'd argue with you. But there, I just want to stress the importance of how much persecution, deception, and uh, difficulty and pressure is going to be put on the church by the heart of Babylon. Do you know, the Antichrist at the end of the age, he's not actually going to be so deceitful to Bible-believing Christians. I mean, if you love the Bible and you've made it to that point and you still love the Bible, you're not going to like look at the Antichrist and be duped. The subject of the harlot Babylon, however, is the actual cause of the great falling away. Remember, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most recall, you could even say because of the increase of the harlot Babylon, because we were just told this is wickedness. This is the definition. So related to the increased deception, the increased persecution that's coming, and also the increase of wickedness, I would put the harlot Babylon right up there with the, uh, the pressure that's going to hit the church of the Antichrist and maybe even greater. Because to live is Christ, to die is gain. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? At the end of this, all the Antichrist is going to be able to do is kill us. But the harlot Babylon is going to be trying to intoxicate Christians into hell. That's worse. Just go ahead and sign me up for the death thing. Okay? This is going to be really intense. So we got to understand this. This is why we're given so much prophetic scripture warning us about the harlot Babylon at the end of the age. This is a really intense subject. Now, uh, we're not going to spend really any time on this. I'm just going to read it to you. You can look at it later. The last day's timeline for Babylon is a long rise, okay? We're looking at, I'm just making up some dates and numbers now. These are, don't quote me on this and be like, well, Brad said, I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a feel, okay? I think we are in the rise of the harlot Babylon right now. I think we're in that time frame. How long does that last? We don't know, but probably some decades, it doesn't ever say how many, you know, we know how long the Great Tribulation is, three and a half years. We know how long the Tribulation is, a total of seven years. How long does the harlot Babylon rise and cause problems? We don't know. But it's probably some decades, I would assume, for a number of reasons. I think we're in the rise of that now. The rise of that means she doesn't show up on the scene in an instant like Antichrist does. Antichrist shows up on the scene. One minute, nobody knows who he is. The next minute, everybody knows who he is. And he's, you know, in charge of everything, okay? Babylon's not like that. Babylon is, it's the, the frog in the pot analogy. The water is starting to heat up. And that's going to take some time. That's the rise of Babylon. Then there's a period of her prosperity. I don't know how long that period of prosperity is. It'll be very difficult to say, today is the first day of Babylonian prosperity. Well, no one will know. It's not going to be like that, but we'll be able to identify, those of us who are paying attention, go, wow, we're really in a season where Babylon is like in full force, where we're no longer in rise. We are now in like full on, she is ruling the globe in some really painful ways. That's going to last a while. I would guess that's going to last at least as long as the tribulation. Now, Maybe not. 
But I would just guess, based off the way that this whole system is set up and how this is going to go, I would think that that's probably going to last a while. Now, I don't know how long, but I'm just thinking probably longer than the tribulation period. It's just my guess, okay? And then her fall, her fall will be swift. She will be judged and dealt with in increasing manner. I mean, during that three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, she's going to be judged, and then she's going to experience a couple of significant key judgment moments, as well as the trends of God judging her. So I just want us to understand that, you know, the... the proverb or whatever, you know, related to the end of the age, the, the end of the story is we win. That's true. A little over simplistic, but true. The harlot Babylon, who will be the greatest foe of the church, we will prevail over her. God will destroy her. Remember Psalm 137, happy is the one who brings her the judgment she is due for what she has done to you, what she has done to the church at the end of the age. She will be judged, but her rise will be uh, painful. And again, I think we're seeing that now as cultural decisions are happening is things are becoming normative that were not normal even three, five years ago. Things are just on the rise. I think we are watching wickedness increase. We're seeing Babylon take her uh, her snares and get her tentacles into everything. But then there's going to be a period of prosperity. And then after that, uh, there's going to be her judgment. Okay. Uh, let's break up into groups. Uh, Luke, how many groups we got tonight? Four groups of seven to eight. Luke Fredenberg, can I get you to move over this way? All right, so we're going to get into groups of uh, seven to eight, and then Caitlin, you're right there. Andy's in the back. Get into groups of seven to eight. You can move the, the chairs around a little bit. Uh, we're going to have some discussion time, and then we'll come back for uh, Q&A at the end. <laughs> groups of seven to eight. Okay, so the question is related to the prophet Zechariah passage that we read a little bit ago. Um, which, what page was that on? Five, okay. Um, so the uh, the reference there is uh, Zechariah 5, 6 through 11, that passage. Um, the uh, basket is being brought to Babylonia where a house will be built for it. And the question is, is that house the city? Um, I think it's at least the city uh, because what we're talking about here is um, this uh, end time reality of something being built to house this incredibly wicked thing. And we know from so many other passages that there is going to be a physical city built. So it's going to be a house there, represented there. But I think in as much as it's talking about the infrastructure of a physical city, I think it's also talking about all the systems that are going to be in place related to wickedness. So for wickedness to have a manifestation, there has to be both an agreeable culture and a physical geography uh, from where that wickedness is being promoted from. So I think it's both the city and at least to some degree uh, the, the system that's going to be put into place for uh, Babylon to have the prominence uh, that she will. So great question. Um, did you say you had a second one or we'll move on? So that's a great question. Uh, the, the question regarding is... Uh, in the Psalm 137 passage, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done. Uh, the question is, was that the Antichrist or is that someone else? So uh, we've got the passage. In fact, let me just read it. It's in Revelation chapter 18. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this is Revelation 18, verse 8. Therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. So in the most strict sense, it's God. 
However, we know that the Antichrist is actually the guy that lights match on judging Babylon. But the judgment of Babylon is both the judgment of a city initially and then the judgment of an entire global system in its fullness. And in its fullness, it's not Antichrist judging Babylon. It's God. And even in this particular, which is actually talking about the burning of the city, God takes the credit for it. So to some degree, Antichrist is happy about it, uh, but he's more elated because of the temporal um, joy that he's going to get. But in, Revel- in uh, uh, the Psalm 137, it says specifically who repays you according to what you have done to us believers. And so the Antichrist will not be rejoicing over the destruction of Babylon related to Babylon's uh, uh, treatment of uh, Christians. He will have thought the treatment of Christians was was good that that was so evil. Uh, so he'll not be um, rejoicing specifically in that context, though the question isn't a, a bad question to ask because we do know that Antichrist is actually the one that is going to be responsible for turning on and destroying Babylon at the end of the age. So great questions. All right, let's go over here. That's great. Which one's the fullness of wickedness? We've got the Zechariah passage that says, this is wickedness, identifying Babylon. But then we've also got Antichrist identified as the man of lawlessness and 10 other horrible titles that make him sound like the worst guy ever. So the question is, which is fullness? It's both. These things are connected. The We need to understand something that maybe has not um, been on our radar previously. The Antichrist system rises up out of Babylon. So the very fact of Babylon is like the incubator for the Antichrist. And so while the Antichrist is the man of lawlessness, a physical man, the harlot Babylon is not a physical woman. It's this picture of this city system culture. Okay, So where Antichrist is talking about a specific man, and there's a ton of passages that make it clear he's got flesh. This picture of uh, this woman Babylon, it's it's allegorical of her being this this evil you know thing. I mean, at the end of the eight, it says just to give you a little bit of the picture, it actually says in Revelation seventeen that the beast is riding the woman. But this beast is, you know, this massive beast with all these heads and horns and stuff, and it's like riding the woman. It's talking about the Antichrist riding this system and and using it for his own purposes in order to be able to accomplish uh, what he's going to do at the end. So the question of who's the most wicked, well, in the term of what human is the most wicked, that will be Antichrist. But Babylon isn't a woman. She's a city, a system, and a culture. So what human will be the most wicked? Antichrist. What system, culture, whatever, it's Babylon. But remember, Antichrist is rising up out of Babylon. So without Babylon as a prerequisite, there is no coming Antichrist kingdom, government, or Antichrist uh, as the ruler that we're familiar with. So excellent question. Uh, And then here. Okay, so is Islam involved in Harlot Babylon? How does that work? Uh, so the, the gist of the Harlot Babylon related to religion is dull and numb all convictions of all religions so that we can all sing Kumbaya together. It's actually universalism. Uh, now, there's a lot more to it than universalism. Universalism is a, is a, is a 
piece of the DNA, not the fullness of the DNA. The objective of the Harlot Babylon related to religion is to get all the main religions to just chill out a little bit and can't we all get along? Here are some things we all agree on. Let's do this together. But now since we're all together in this, let's now dive into the depths of what religion really is, which is actually going to be witchcraft, drug use, idol worship. I mean, there's going to be all sort of measure of things. So how does Islam fit into that? Islam, in, in strange ways, at the end of the age, we're going to be really grateful for the resistance of authentic Islam. I mean, we're actually going to look at authentic Islam, and while it's still horrendously evil, we don't believe that Islam is right, we're going to appreciate the fact that they didn't buckle, okay? Because there's going to be some Islamic, uh, uh, some pieces of Islam that are going to go, no. We are holding the line on what we believe. We're not going to sing kumbaya with everybody and get along. Now, they'll also be probably the most violent uh, of the groups in that hour. So that's really not really a point of celebration. But my point is, there's going to be that, that, uh, that contingency of Islam that is going to hold true to itself that will be wildly combative and not uh, complementative at all to uh, the rise of the, the Harlot Babylon. In much the same way, there will be a radical church that loves Jesus that will not bow to the rise of that deception and compromising culture, but there will be a ton of the church that because of the increase of wickedness, their love will grow cold and they will fall into the harlot Babylon system and many of them will repent and come out of that. Many of them will not and they will actually wind up then going down the trend that will follow the Antichrist at the end of the age. And so this is why it so matters because the, the real key related to Babylon isn't that she's going to be over religion. It's that she's going to be wildly effective at deception. So therefore able to talk lots of people with strong convictions out of their convictions and into this other thing and into this other thing in a unified sense altogether. So uh, excellent question. Uh, Andy. Rectify. Yeah. All right, so uh, the question related to the judgment of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18, which Revelation 18 describes aspects of Babylon, the city being judged, and describes aspects of Babylon, the entire global entity being judged. Now, the question is in relationship to uh, when we're reading Revelation 18 and specifically the judgment of the city, it seems like there is a significant connection to its seaport access. Uh, does that mean, here's, here's the real question, does that mean that the city of Babylon at the end of the age will be on the ocean? It doesn't necessitate that. Um, in much the same way that you're talking about the, you know, the, the affairs of, I don't know, I'm just thinking about how much uh, economy runs through um, Washington, D.C., you know, but Washington D.C. doesn't have to be on the shore, you know, precisely for it to have that sort of impact. You know, there's there's all sorts of ways that the governing city over a nation can have great connection and economic impact to anything, including port cities, including you know ports and all that, for it to not necessarily have to be. Second thought process: the city could potentially be so big that it winds up spanning all the way to the ocean. Uh, not only that, it's real difficult 
to assess what are the defining parameters of a city. How do you how do we assess that now? Uh, the, I think that it's possible that that definition could even change as time goes on um, in relationship to how much geography, where do the bullet trains go? I mean, if you got bullet trains in your city that are running, you know, 80 miles, 100 miles outside of your you know, epicenter of your city, is that still part of your city? I, there's a lot of that, that kind of question, but the, 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 the question that, that you were asking most specifically, I believe, is, is it a point of conflict? Is there a way to rectify the language related to the city of Babylon seeming to have so much connection to ports? And I think uh, that does not need to be a point of conflict uh, for it to still be geographically true that the epicenter of Babylon is right where it was along the Euphrates River uh, in biblical times. Also, I suppose there's room for it having a different geographical location so long as it still fits uh, all the criteria points. The way I've always taken it is it'll be rebuilt where it was uh, because that's its historical you know, location and it's kind of difficult in, uh, in, a, in a reasonable sense. It's kind of difficult to call, you know, if, if, if America is here between this ocean and this ocean, it's difficult to be like, oh no, America just moved over to Australia and now Australia is America. I mean, it, it's a difficult concept to think that Babylon would jump geographic locations and still be Babylon. So it uh, could be some wiggle room there, but, uh, but I think it's more reasonable to believe that Babylon will be built, rebuilt right where she was, though her trade capacities will be greatly related to the sea and she'll have all sorts of city ports and blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, great question. Okay, well, great. All right, worship leader, if you'll come on up. Uh, I can tell you this, as we move into these next few sessions, um, we are going to touch... A uh, number of things that we uh, just introduced tonight, we're going to get into more detail as well as introducing some new ideas. And my hope really is that with just the few sessions that we're going to spend on the Harlot Babylon, you'll walk away with at least a beginning point of understanding. But I want to strongly encourage you, this is a subject to go deeper on, to spend some time on. Uh, we've got a 14-part Bible course on it in the uh, lobby. Uh, we've got resources available online. This is a subject you want to go deeper in. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name tonight that you would give us increased clarity about this subject and others in the Word. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.